This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hi everybody, this is Nyawira Kayuru from the Kenyan Wall Street. We have an interesting topic today. We are going to focus on integration of technology into renewable energy. We have tapped into Africa's innovation pool and our guest today is from Nigeria. We are joined by Oyin Lola Oluwatobi, innovator for solar workstations in Africa. He built his first workstation a movable workstation in 2019 with partnership with fellow innovators from Korea and the USA. Welcome, Oluwatobi. Thank you so much for having me. Briefly tell us about your background and how you ended up in the tech industry. Well, I had a bachelor's in electronics and telecoms engineering, and then I tried to focus on Internet of Things and embedded computing. And in Nigeria, I've been like working for over seven years in different startups that are focused on renewable energy, whereby I help them build uh, a pay-as-you-go solar uh, platform. Uh, we pioneered it in Nigeria, so I was the brain behind that innovation. And then I started off with my own company in Rwanda, which is focused on pay-as-you-cook, where we can embrace LPG availability in the rural areas and, you know, people to start using LPG the more. So basically that's just my story and I am part of the software innovator for Intel and recently I became the ambassador for advisory board member for Intel, which is focused on the IoT community generally. What has actually brought us to have this interview is the solar workstations. You can briefly explain to us what are solar workstations and exactly how does it work? So what are the components and what are the minimum requirements do you need to put up one? Right. So the workstation that we just pulled together, it's a standard way of people coming together in an environment as if they're inside, but then it's outdoor. So open air, breeze blowing you, you don't need AC, AC just there. That solar panel on top of the workstation, I'm talking about the roof, it covers the complete roof. And people can come together, interact and plug their phone and plug their laptop and they don't have to worry about power. And of course, there's availability of internet access for them to be able to use and soft the internet and do meetings and do all sorts of things. So it comprises inverters, batteries, and an IoT application that makes them book ahead of time. You know, imagine someone wants to use the workstation for 20 minutes and they can just book 20 minutes and then they have access to the workstation for just 20 minutes. And after 20 minutes, it shut down that particular user for that period. Most innovations come around from a need. What need did you identify that you realized the solar workstations would curb the need for? Right. So my own dreams is for schools, organizations, and park 
While growing up in Nigeria, I had a very bad experience in school whereby I lost my phone because I went out to charge. You know, there's a way you charge your phone outside while growing up. So I plugged the phone and I was just seated while charging my phone. Of course, I paid to charge the phone. And I took it away from where the phone was being plugged. And, you know, returning my face back to the phone, I lost my phone. And um, I was like, what happened? He just stole my phone. So that experience has been booming in my mind that how can we make students in schools have access to power supply, have access to internet, have access to an environment where they can collaborate. Imagine someone in physics department would come to the workstation and meet someone from mathematics and they can kind of do some innovative solution together by just chatting. They don't know each other before, you know, they just met for the first time. So those are the kind of things that make me decide that, okay, I think there's a need to have an environment that is not inside. So that's just for school. For organizations, personally, I don't like to always be inside the AC all the time. I want a system whereby I can just sit outside, enjoying the creativity of the nature, hearing the best singing around and feeling the breeze around. I just want an open space whereby I don't have to be so inside the door, like in my room all the time. And this period is so important for everyone whereby we have to work from home. And, you know, working from home is just so difficult whereby you only see in one space, just your room yeah. and you batch your environment. But if you're outdoor, there's a lot of things that you could see. You could see people walking around and say hi to you and you can interact with them. You could meet your partner, you could meet friends. You could create new relationship while working outdoor. You know, those are the things that brought about me trying to build the workstation. That's interesting because now with COVID, there's a lot of working from home and the innovation is really a help or something different, seeing something different from your room. And there are many parks around where this innovation can come around. From our conversation earlier, you specifically told me the first solar workstation that you came up with was a movable unit. And yeah. now you're working on an immovable unit. So maybe you can go into detail between the two, maybe the pros and cons of having both and why you had to switch into an immovable unit. That's a brilliant question. So the movable solar workstation that I built in 2019, it's not in Africa, it's in Europe, which is France specifically. And there's an environment I found myself there where we're trying to work on some European Union collaboration program and we have to build something that is new within three days and then that environment requires does not want to work inside they just want to work outside and what about if you have an autonomous workstation that you can kind of book as well but then you can move it from one position to the other and we have to build it in three days so there's little resources there's little time there's little innovation that could be done within 30 days, but then we're able to still come up with something so unique and fantastic. But this could work in an environment whereby the road system is good, everywhere there is grass, and the workstation can easily be moved from one position to the other. And um, we're using lithium-ion battery. The panels is like a foldable solar panel. It's all wooden design that we used. So, 
this makes it not so heavy to move you know the battery is lithium the inverter is so small so you can imagine you can actually move that but the environment again is pretty much okay to move such a workstation and then when i'm now beginning to think about my african region like nigeria for example this might not pretty much work effectively you can't move this workstation because you've got batteries that you wanted to serve for over 24 hours in a day or even three days without solar energy so it's going to be so heavy and aside from that there's need for security yeah the africa is secured but then there's some places that you don't want to have a system whereby you can move it around it could be stolen so i want a standard design that it's going to be stable now because it's stable and i added some other features to it like the wheelchair access you know people that want to use wheelchair i didn't put a chair for them they say a cemented layout whereby you can just put your wheelchair and just drive it inside and Put your laptop on top of the table you don't need a chair just use your wheelchair to sit on it so those are the kind of other innovation that was brought about because i make it just a stable workstation so yeah oh that's a very nice point to make it more accessible for wheelchairs very very creative what's the minimum or the number of people that a, a workstation that you're coming up can hold like the minimum number of people and also the maximum number of people? Well, pretty much like different versions that we begin to, uh, you know, talk about. The one now is eight people, but then six can sit on the chair. Then the other two are wheelchair like uh, specifications. So it's actually designed to give access to the wheelchair. People that like the disabled people, less privileged, that want to just drive in their wheelchair. So maximum is eight people but then we try to create it that people can still have anger and the workstation to access the wi-fi because we try to create an environment whereby it's so unique that people will still like students will still gather around and just create an environment that you can still access but then for the workstation alone the maximum is eight and then the minimum is two and there's in between, which is for people, which is also part of the design that we're working on right now. So yeah, I think that's just the maximum we can access. And it's just about the compartments. We've thought about what if we design for 10 users. It could work, but it looks so big as if we we're just creating a church, like a mini church, you know, it would be so big. Yeah. So we felt like, yeah, let's just create a mini, like a compatible workstation that could access six people at a time. So yeah actually met you on social media but when i came across your innovation on the social media platform you were saying you were launching your project via the university so so far how many solar workstations have we installed oh <laughs> the one we installed was just a donation from my home altar so it's just one and uh, the beauty of it is that after we've installed this one from my school where i finished from we are currently building two more inside the same school, which is going to make it three. And we've got some other others, like 15 different people saying, hey, we need this. Some even want it in their homes. Like they just want to have something like that, that their family could have a gathering and chat and, you know, still plug their phone. So right now it's only one and two is in development stage for the same school. And then there's other others that we've received just to, you know, build on it and, and, and move forward with that. 
from experience and innovation also or from working in a startup in Africa, it's very challenging to meet the cost of bringing an innovation into a reality. So yeah. how much exactly does it cost to put a unit together? Well, what we try to do is because every materials are sourced locally. There's no shipping, there's no, so we're able to cut a lot of costs. So for that eight users, I would say the maximum it cost is like around 3000 US dollar. Like that's what it would cost and which would give you access to everything. Of course, we give you free access for internet for like the first month. And then you might have to pay continuous subscription fee, which would be like a maintenance fee for the internet access for the uh, booking system, you know, there is a booking platform yeah. and, you know, those are major things that you have to pay continuously every month, which is so cheap. It could be like as low as, you know, $15. It depends on how much users you have every month and how much they use the internet access. And that's for internet. And of course, these solar units require like maintenance. If something happened to the battery, you want to replace it. You want to check, you know, you want to repaint it. You want to do some modification. The socket is bad, all this exchange, you know, changes of all these things. I mean, you still need to do that. So anywhere we install it, we want to make sure that they still pay a little bit of amount every month for maintenance fee, because we don't just want to install this workstation and just leave it there. We want to continue to have access to it. And uh, because it's an IoT based workstation, we have access to a platform where you can even track the internet access users. What are they checking? we can push content for educational purposes. So these are things that is also part of the innovation that we've already had to the workstation. So, but the main cost is $3,000 for the six and eight users. I mean, six sitting arrangements and two wheelchairs. And for the other ones, which is four users and two users, pretty much that could go for like 2,000, 2,200 uh, US dollars. So, I mean, that's the price. My follow-up question is on partnerships and support from, let's say, government institutions or companies. So far, has there been any collaboration that you've done with companies or the support you've been getting, for example, from policymakers and, let's say, the Nigerian government? That's pretty much a nice question. We're still open to different opportunities around that. Unfortunately, people have been talking but then we've not really seen so much support yet. So, but we are hoping for support from the government. Imagine a governor say, oh, you just got to install this to all the institutions in my state. These are the kind of support. Because our innovation is more like a social enterprise. We just want a situation whereby people are so comfortable and they can work collaboratively outdoor and they have access to internet, they have access to power, which is very difficult thing to get in some campuses in Nigeria. So we are open to collaborations around that space. And then basically organizations that want to just create a brand around the workstation. Imagine a complete brand for the workstation in schools. And they say, hey, this brand name is our company. Just paint it in the color of our company, put the logo of our company to the workstation. You know, those are the kind of collaboration that we are open up to. So yeah, but yet we've not really gotten any collaboration yet and we are still open for funding opportunities to develop the, the technology. I mean, what I mean by technology, it's about some of the compartment that we'll be working on 
over time. We still need developers that we can work together, all sort of things. So, why do you see solar workstations in the next, say, three to five years? Interesting. I was about to add that to your last question. So, I see it on Alibaba. Not like it's a really big vision, but then I see it in a platform where anyone anywhere from the world can place an order for the workstation and we can ship it in less than two weeks to anybody anywhere in the world and then do it yourself meaning diy you can install it yourself and with that we're going to encourage people like startup that want to just put this at their business and say hey we're just helping uh, solar culture in order to go to the world so imagine you can place all that just like an Alibaba. We pack it inside a carton and we ship it to you. So that's what I'm seeing in the next three years. That's what I think is going to happen. And addition to that is that we want to have it almost all the campuses in Nigeria getting started. And then, of course, while doing that to various campuses in Africa, you know, I so much love my continent, of course, and my country. And I want to see this everywhere. It's just not about power and internet. It's about giving people more collaborative environments whereby you meet people that you cannot really meet in your own indoor space. Like you just close the door and you're just in your Zoom call. You know? So that's the kind of things I want to see myself. I want this workstation to bring people closer to each other. Yes, we know there's COVID, but how about there's a, there's a space where you all collaborate, you have your Zoom meeting together. You don't want to go to office, but this workstation is always going to be there. And these are the kind of things I see the workstation doing in the next three to five years. I'm going to transition to something I had you mention, and you've mentioned multiple times so far into the interview, Internet of Things. How would you describe or define, or how can we unpack internet of things to make it more understandable well IoT, it's um i would say you've got a cooker with water inside before you you're like you're about to leave your house you just put water inside the cooker or let's say inside your heater whatever you have in your home and then you're almost getting home and then your mobile phone you just open an application and you click and you say, boil the water for 20 minutes and you request. While getting home, you're driving in the last 15 minutes and you reach your house, the water is boiled. That is faster for you. That's creativity, that's productivity. You don't have to still reach home and start turning on your gas, do all sorts of things. You've controlled the moment by automating everything. So that is Internet of Things. That's like the hello world for Internet of Things. And then we move on to smart city integration, whereby you've got your meter or control to your mobile application. You've got your water, you've got your driveless car, whereby it has autopilot, whereby it just drive itself. That's an advanced IoT. So, but the most simplest method of internet of things, which I always call the hello world for IoT is you boil your water and then you're almost getting home. You send a command from your phone and say, boil the water for 20 minutes and while getting done, the water is boiled and then you can use the water. That's the simplest way of describing Internet of Things. And in a more simple way, 
Internet of Things is bringing devices, bringing your own equipment, bringing all the connected sensors. Sensors could be your temperature sensor. You know, probably you have an old man or old woman in your house, and you try to always check the temperature of that old woman. And you have a, an application that you can see what is going on with your grandmother at home. That's an IoT. That's the, the most important use case of IoT. But there are a lot of use cases of IoT all over the internet. But that's just how I describe my IoT. Yeah, I think it's a good description. It really puts the words and the practicability of how you've explained to clear vision, more understandable. How can innovators in Africa leverage emerging technologies like IoT to solve problems that are specifically unique to the continent? Um, you mentioned earlier uh, pay-as-you-go cookers that you worked on in Rwanda. Was it part of the IoT? It is. It's, a, it's an IoT innovation. So when I moved to Rwanda, I noticed that a lot of people still use charcoal and firewood and then want to take them off that method of cooking. And that was why we introduced an LPG method where people can pay as they cook meaning there's going to be like an IoT device on top of the cylinder. They are pretty much like companies that are doing that already in Kenya, but then there's no other company doing that in Rwanda aside from my own startup. So what it does is the device is going to be on top of the cylinder with different sensors, actuators inside. And what the user needs to do on their phone, which is mobile money, is to send whatever value they want to use. Let's say you want to use gas or hundred random fronts and you just send it and automatically the gas would dispense a hundred random fronts worth of gas to you i mean the cylinder on top of the cylinder we can measure the level of the gas we can do a whole lot of we can track the gas we can check if the gas is being moved from one position to the other that is a very fantastic scenario for using iot but there are a whole lot of other applications so my advice for africans region is think in a very low context i always tell people our problems in africa can never be solved by an external person it has to be solved by we innovators because we've been living here for years like 30 years 40 years so we know how we've been living continuously we know the problems we've been facing in the grassroots we know the problems in agriculture we know the problems in transportation how can we solve it and using internet of things there are a whole lot of applications around there I always do a series of discussions around that that expose government into smart city digital transformation, you know, whereby governments can start thinking of leveraging Internet of Things to solve problems. You know, imagine you're using IoT that is so cheap to solve problems for humanities, for citizens. You know, those are the kind of things that innovators should start thinking. Agriculture, irrigation, that's another sector in agriculture. Why do you have to always go to your farm? whereby you can just have a prediction that tells you it's going to rain today. And you know that, oh, it's going to rain, so you need to go to the farm. Or it just predicts until you tell you that, oh, it's not going to rain, you should go harvest. So there's a combination of Internet of Things and artificial intelligence around that. And they both work hand in hand, data predictions and the like. So my advice is, Africans region, let's go deep to the grassroots. Let's go deep to where the problem, like, it cannot be solved by a Westerner. It cannot be solved by someone coming to our own continent to solve it. We have been living in this continent for a very long time. So pretty much that's how I innovate. I always think deep into 
what are the problems I've faced over time, and then how can it be solved using my own technology, which is Internet of Things. I mean, now I call it Internet of Code. <laughs> <laughs> um, very interesting. Earlier, you mentioned that when you are doing the introduction, you started up working in a, in a renewable energy sector. Yeah. And your innovation is bringing in together technology and clean energy. So what does yeah. it mean with the integration of tech into the African clean energy sector? Yeah, so basically, while working on that, I mean, it was a really great experience. I remember solar energy in Africa, I mean, Nigeria specifically, it was not like top-notch then. It was just, you know, really getting started. And then there is issue in, in Nigeria, like power issue, whereby there's no accurate power everywhere. So we want to install solar energy to your home and then we make you pay as you go. Then there's an IoT platform around that whereby users doesn't really bother about the price of solar, the price of battery, the price of whatever. We just install it for free. And that platform that makes users pay for energy they, they need is the IoT. You know, it has the connection with the inverter, uh, whereby when you pay, you just turn on the inverter and you start using electricity. And it starts counting down based on the kilowatt hour that you've used. Meaning it could be in for one week, you want to just buy electricity for one week. There are a lot of companies around there already in, in, in the African region. So that part is a really use case of IoT application. Imagine uh, all the inverter solar system installed in a particular home and you just leave it there. And there's a very tiny device, which is the IoT platform, that controls that. It controls the payment, it controls the usage of the inverter, it controls the battery. You know, we can read when the battery is low, we just turn off the inverter continuously. And we tell the user, you need to wait for two days to make your battery charge fully. So those are the kind of innovation I was able to work on while exciting my experience in Internet of Things in Nigeria. So pretty much like that. Yeah. So still coming from a need-based yeah. experience with power shortages in Nigeria. So it's all about the need. We coming to the final questions and I would like to ask you about the challenges. So what are the different challenges you encountered coming up with your innovation, the solar workstations in spreading it across the universities, as you'd mentioned, and also in assembling the different units? Well, challenges, I would say it's about manpower. The lot of welder, we call them welder, people that are very, very good with putting melters together. We don't have so much of them. We have a lot of them that are doing it like, well, that's fine, but we don't have so much of them that are so creative. The challenge is how can we empower them, make them think in a different method and say, oh yes, we need to be creative with what we are doing as, as a welder. So those are the challenges I face while building this workstation. I have to continuously work with a standard designer and the designer is a welder, which is doesn't know anything about workstation. So I give him the design that this is what I want. And I usually work to every day in order to achieve that. So it's a very difficult process in order to cause I have the knowledge of IoT, I have the knowledge of solar energy, 
But then the welding part is not my field. Then I have to go so low to understand what are the materials we need for this workstation. And getting it across to schools, it's very difficult because the way it works, it's, it's always from the top, like from the government. How can we get the government accept it? And then it just goes to the Ministry of Education. From Ministry of Education, it goes to the Commission for Universities or Polytechnics or Technical Colleges. And then with that, we can spread it out. Getting access to the top layer of these people, this government parastatus, it's so difficult. And I've been trying to put different wings around the world and you know connect people and say, hey, do you want to write an email and get me connected to the minister or, you know, all sorts of things. So those are the challenges. And this kind of innovation should be 100% embraced by the government and just buy it in and say, this needs to be deployed to all the institutions all over the world, you know, all over Africa. Those are the kind of things I have in mind. But the challenges is still there to access the government. Final question. Internet of Toby. What's in the future for Internet of Toby? Oh man. So, well, my name is Toby. I just added Toby as things. I replace it and say, hey, Internet of Toby. Because I want to create a brand where in different homes, in different offices, in different organizations, uh, you know, wherever you go, you still have a label of Internet of Toby there. And that label is solving problems in the grassroots, solving problems in the African region. And Aside from solving problems in the African region, the problem will be well known all over the world. So starting with my home continent. So the future, as I said, is go to your home, go to wherever you might be. The internet of Sobi will keep ringing a bell in your head that internet of Sobi has solved a very important problem for me, whereby I can do whatever I want because of this solution. I can do whatever I need to do because someone else like Internet of Toby has innovated the solution for me, for the government, for schools, for companies, for parks, for organizations and the like. So those are the kind of ideas I have around the name. And the name was just random thinking from some of my friends and say, what if we start calling you Internet of Toby? I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I just picked it up and started building my brand, Internet of Toby, pretty much like that. Yeah, it's a good way to build a brand around something, Internet of Toby. I think that will ring in my head for quite a while. I think that's it. That's it from my end. And thank you so much again for agreeing to spare your time with me and to have this conversation with me. And thank you so much. Thank you listeners for joining us and for this and more interesting podcasts, log in to anchor.fm slash Kenyan Wall Street which is accessible to many platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. Cheers. Thanks, Toby.